What does real-world evidence bring to the table? Doctors Cohen and Dottelzweig talk about how real-world evidence can enhance the findings gleaned from clinical trials in VTE management in this episode of Critical Conversations on Venous Thromboembolism, a masterclass series on DVT and PE. Access the full series and complete the post-test for credit at peerview.com forward slash HBR 860. So glad you've tuned in to episode six. What is real-world evidence, and how is it relevant and important in VTE? And first, when I get asked about, about this, uh, you know, Dr. D, well, what is it? How do you define it? And it really, um, there's different definitions, formal definitions that uh, have been put forth where you're looking at ISPOR, International Society for Pharmacoeconomics and Outcomes Research, and they stipulate everything that goes beyond what is normally collected in the phase three clinical trials program in terms of efficacy. So quite broad. The European Forum Relative Effectiveness Working Group states a measure in understanding healthcare data collected under real world practice circumstances. Our FDA in the United States have really put a mandate through the 21st Century Cures Act that we're gonna utilize more real world evidence on a go forward basis, combining RCTs and RWDs. So. How, how, how is your approach right now to some of your uh, and data and collections for use of real-world evidence, real-world data? To start off, if we're talking about methodologies for collecting data, there are lots of places you can get it from. You can get it from electronic records. Uh, some of the best sources are claims and billing activities because they're so broad, uh, particularly in the United States. We have product and disease registries, and we generally prefer disease registries because they give you a, a feel for the range of therapies. And then there's patient-generated data, um, including uh, home use settings, but we can use mobile data, mobile devices, electronic data, smart watches and Fitbits and all sorts of things, even, even loop recorders and stuff. So there's lots of ways we collect this data. I think the key here, is to understand the strengths and weaknesses of randomized controlled trials and real world studies. And in a nutshell, a randomized controlled trial tells you whether a drug works or not and tells you about aspects of its safety. It's a proper rigorous experiment, but it's limited in a number of areas. But real world studies don't tell you about whether a drug works so much. They tell you about whether what it does really matters because how people take it or how it's given in the real world is a much broader bunch of patients. It's, it helps you extrapolate. It helps you get more patients, more comorbidities, more co-medications, younger and older patients. It allows you to follow them for longer. So it's, they're both needed and they're both wonderful for our understanding of treatments. We've got some data on DOAX versus vitamin K antagonists and we can compare the randomized controlled trials with real world evidence. So Steve, can I ask you, what have we learned from RWE and how can it be used to help us with decisions say based on bleeding risk or something like that. Yeah, so Andy, you, you've highlighted very, very nicely in setting the stage and really um, we utilize the 
real-world data converted into real-world evidence to see, is it consistent? Is it not consistent? Is it consistent in, in, in Europe or different countries as it is consistent in the U.S.? And then we could track it over long periods of time because each of those da data sets that you so clearly uh, elucidated has advantages and limitations. And, and so we have the ability to, to play, to, to alter some of the filters and using whatever tools we choose to use. So we've learned a great deal, especially on the duration for as it relates to who is at risk on the safety front, you know, whether, whether it's age, whether it's renal function, what if they had prior GI bleeding or, or prior bleeding, the most common of which is going to be GI bleeding. What are the parameters that go into those individuals? So, um, and when to resume or not to resume? Do you resume at the same dose or lower dose? So it's really very becoming much more comprehensive and, and then looking at these patients over the, over the duration, recognizing there will be some limitations for whether it's confounding, the, the risk of bias type of assessment that you absolutely must do. And whether you're using the Robin's Eye in, in Europe or whether you're using AHRQ, the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality in the U.S., um, is perfectly fine. They all, they all help us, and we've learned a great deal around the, the safety and the benefit in, in, in applying um, real-world evidence to, to the DOACs would be my initial remarks. And I think it's influenced our practice to some extent. I think um, we feel somewhat comfortable I mean, for instance, uh, we've been able to look at studies that have compared different DOACs with uh, vitamin K antagonists. And we tend to see findings, as you say, that are, con are consistent with the randomized trials. And one thing I would also add to that is that it gives lend itself, and you've done some of the work as I have in looking at the different comorbid states. So maybe we want to look at obesity, we want to look at renal disease, we want to look at um, elderly, we want to look at prior bleeds, all, all lends its, real world evidence lends itself there. So as discussed, um, real world data can and does inform clinical practice. And in the next episode, we're going to dive a bit deeper and see how these insights might help us better manage our obese patients.